Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! Gee, money, Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. We are about a week away from the NFL draft here in 2022. NFL free agency is more than a month old, and the Colts have made several big moves this offseason. They've lost some players in free agency as well, and they're looking at the draft to see how they can infuse the roster with young, impactful talent. All of that means we got a lot to get into today with Rick Venturi, who is back. This is the offseason edition of of Inside Football. Rick, great to have you back on, man. It's good to talk to you. How have you been so far this offseason? Well, you know, we've had some ups and downs personally, you know, losing mom and everything. We lost a great Colt fan. Indeed. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we recovered. She lived a great life. Uh, I've been just thrilled to death professionally. Uh, you know, after the depths that we hit on January 9th in Jacksonville, I don't I don't remember being lower than that in a long time, but what a magnificent recovery here in the last three months, um, and you know how I feel about it. It's I'm thrilled the way we've gone about it. That uh, you know Jimmy's all in there has been basically validated uh, by Chris Ballard and what he's done. I mean I think you know we've brought in some really impact guys, three impact guys for sure other guys that will play really good roles, but guys that really help you to win now that tell the, you know, tell everyone that, you know, we're, we're not about rebuilding, you know, we're, we're about going forward from that situation. Right. And so, you know, I think, you know, it was the due diligence. Uh, I think it was the direction of Jim Irsay, all chips in. I think uh, Chris has had his due diligence and his normal persistence we had some we had some willing uh cooperatives uh i mean you can't be thankful enough to the washington commanders i mean you know basically by them you know making the deal for Wentz who you know as well as i do as anyway in my opinion wasn't going to be here regardless even if we had to bite the contract but they end up giving us one of the best salvage jobs ever with two draft picks a 3 and a 2 next year um, you know, absorbing the financial pain that we would have made, you know, and then you had somebody like Atlanta who's, you know, decided to totally rebuild and start over and tank in a sense, if you will. Um, then you have the Raiders who, you know, decide that they want to bring in a new coaching staff, the guy they know, Chandler Jones, and, you know, be able to send us a fit like in Gawkway, <laughs> you know, and then I, I'll even thank the Bears for giving us the opening to bring in Gus Bradley and Ron Miles and John Fox, because I think that's a huge upgrade. So, again, it's been a thrilling, it's been a, a thrilling three months for me professionally. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's been busy, and we haven't even had the draft yet. And uh, <laughs> and, and again, going back to to what you said uh, about your mother. And again, I know we've talked, you know, off the air several times this off season. But again, now that we're you know, we, we've hit the record button, if you will. Just, again, condolences to, obviously, you and your, and your family and, and getting through this this tough time that it has been losing your mom this off season. Well, thank you. And, you know, all the Colts, there's a beautiful arrangement that was sent. And uh, you and Lara and everybody that I'm close to over there, uh, Jimmy and Pete and the whole gang and, and Chris, it, it, it was it was really nice. All right, well, we've got uh, a ton to get into today. We're going to talk about Matt Ryan. Uh, we'll talk about Unique Ngakwe, Stephon Gilmore, and the draft. Um, but let's start first uh, with quarterback. Matt Ryan, as you know, Rick, he was not on the Colts' quarterback radar at the beginning of the offseason and probably wasn't on their radar when they traded for Carson Wentz back in early March or traded Carson Wentz to the commanders, I should say. Uh, but, again, thanks to the Falcons and their pursuit of uh, Deshaun Watson and Matt Ryan wanting to play for a contender late in his career and the Falcons you know, kind of hitting that reset button a little bit. Now he's an Indianapolis Colt. I guess what did you make of the Colts' ability to trade Carson Wentz and land Matt Ryan? How much of a net positive is that for the Colts? Oh, I mean, I, I think it's huge. I think, 
I think actually, Matt, it's the best possible outcome we could have gotten out of this. You know, first of all, there's no doubt in my mind that we were going to let Wentz go. I mean, it, it, it wasn't going to matter whether we traded him. He was no longer play, going to play for the Colts. I think that decision was made, and, and, and I'm with it. I understand it totally. We had to go on. Um, and I was concerned because, you know, I didn't see any, any real option out there. And sometimes it's easy. To, I always say this. It's easy to burn down the barn. And then the next day, yeah, what are you going to do? It. And so, and I was, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was optimistic when, you know, Deshaun Watson said that he was choosing essentially between New Orleans and um, Atlanta. Now, I was hoping Atlanta because I felt like, my goodness, if we could get Matt Ryan, we'll mm-hmm. go right on. We'll be better. And even if he went to New Orleans, I probably would have taken as a second. I probably would have taken Jameis Winston, not in the same breath, but I would have done it. And then when he picked Cleveland, I about had a nervous breakdown. To be honest with you, I thought, "Oh my God, we're going to be stuck with Baker Mayfield for God's sake." <laughs> I remember that Saturday morning, I was in Florida. I was outside of the Winn Dixie waiting for Sherry, and I I text Chris and I go, "What are we going to do? We're not going to take Mayfield." And he reassured me right away. He said, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." He said, "Ryan is on the market, and we're still in it." So. I felt a lot better there. Um, I just, like I said, the fact that Washington, A, you know, gave us draft capital, of which we only had to use that three that we got, we got from them, right, right. you know, and then relieve the financial stress of the contract is just absolutely amazing. It's the greatest salvage job ever on a contract. And what you get with Ryan, you know, to me, you get a top-tier quarterback – um, you get a guy that brings this to you. I mean, along with other things, but the first thing he brings is a presence of leadership. Now he's not—he's not a holler guy. Uh, he doesn't lead in the same way that you know uh, Philip Rivers did. But this guy has a great presence. All you have to do is look at him when he walks in the room. Uh, you know, this is a guy with tremendous background. I mean, you know, numbers over the years. He's been the MVP of the league, four-time Pro Bowler, 42-game winning drives. I mean, this is a guy, like I said, I want you to go out and get guys that have done it. Hell with draft picks after a while. They're, that's 50-50. This guy's done it. He has presence. He has really good accuracy, and along with that, anticipation. You know, the good ones, the guys that separate themselves – are guys that throw people open in this league, that anticipate the guy being open and throw them open. Um, I think that his style of quarterback, uh, and he's brilliant. You know, he's a terrific, smart guy. He's going to make the right decisions pre-snap. He's going to get you in the right play. And he just has that it to me. Um, I I think, you uh, you know, when you look at it, his style you know, people ask me, what is his style? Is it, is it Rivers? Is it Wentz? And to me, he's like neither one of those guys. I think that if you look at it, and I'm not going to make the comparison because the one guy's the GOAT, but he plays a lot like Tom Brady, okay? He's a classic drop-back guy in the old school of NFL. He's got enough movement to move around, slide within the pocket. He can still run a bootleg. His arm isn't necessarily the gun of guns, as is neither Brady's but they throw accurate on time and to the right place. And he's more of that kind of quarterback. And I think that kind of quarterback today with the new rules, even at 37, you you really protect those guys. They're not like option quarterbacks that are going to get hit on the perimeter. So even though we're getting him at 37, I don't consider him that old from that standpoint. Now, the critical issues, the critical issues with Matt are this, okay? You really have to protect him. That left tackle position is going to be really critical, Matt, whether Pryor can hold up or we get another person in there. But we have to be able to protect Matt. He's not going to get away like an Andrew, not going to get away like a Wentz, if you follow what I'm saying. He's a rhythmic player, classic-type player. The other thing is we have to get really improved, and this was one of the things I outlined to you in in our runaway podcast, we really have to improve on our blitz pickup. We got away from us last year. 
it was a combination of quarterback timing, receiver breaking routes, all in offensive line, everything put together. Because with Matt, because he's not an elusive run away from people guy, not an edge guy, you are going to get you're going to attract more pressure, more blitzes, more exotic moves like that. So that's really going to be critical. And then I think the second thing, and I know that that um, Frank will do this because he always has with somebody, you'll want an alternative guy, uh, you know, whether that's your backup quarterback or Hines, to give you the wildcat effect so that you can keep some of that NCAA stuff in there without having Matt to do it. So, But to me, tremendous upgrade. You know, I think Matt Ryan keeps us relevant in the AFC in the AFC period, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, I know it's a. I know everybody talks about how great the division is, but you know you got to win your way. It doesn't matter where you rank your quarterback in the AFC. It matters if you can win and do it your way. And we're going to be a little bit different than those other teams. We will always be run centric, but we will be run centric with a major league player at quarterback. You talk about him being in the mold of of Tom Brady. How do you think the Colts offense will look next season in terms of timing, in terms of getting rid of the football? You know, is is it more like Rivers in 20 where the ball's coming out in less than two and a half seconds, or will it be somewhere in the middle of of Wentz in 2021 and Luck in 2018 where they got rid of the ball reasonably fast and, you know, yards after catch and let playmakers make plays – but also taking their shots down the field with five and, and seven step drops. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be <clears throat> somewhere uh, in between a Rivers and uh, a Luck or a Wentz. Um, you know, Rivers was get it out, spread it out. He was going to be the fastest gun in the West because he knew he didn't have the big arm. Everything was going to come out quick, not a lot of downfield stuff. You didn't need a lot of protection because the ball was going to come out. It was just going to come back to the open guy, you know, and there's some things to be said about that. Now, what you, what you end up lacking there is the push downfield. Then you go the other way. You have the Wentz who's going to hold on to the ball, uh, you know, basically because he's unsure at times or he's not technically sound. Or if you have Andrew who's trying to hold it to the last minute to make a big play, and they end up being kind of at the high end of the spectrum. I see Matt being in the middle. Uh, I think right now he's around 13th or 14th in ball delivery. Uh, you know, so he's not the fastest guy in the world, not the not the slowest. I think he's played in a, for a lot of different people, so adaptation is easy for him. Uh, I think he'll throw the deep ball, but I think it's a rhythmic. Uh, finesse more than just get back, run around, and throw it 70 yards. He's not going to do that, but he's going to throw the fade, the back fade. If he's got a guy running down the seam, he's going to put it where he should, uh, and and probably the ball is going to travel between 18 and 40 yards in those situations, depending on the situation. I just see kind of a, a middle of the road, kind of like Brady is. I think he's a. I think he plays a lot like Brady does. All right, and then last one on on the quarterback with with Matt Ryan. You know the fact that he is here as we speak right now, Rick. He is in the building. He is healthy, and the Colts are actually going through an off season workout program. Right? I mean, COVID no longer exists in terms of NFL protocols, and the Colts have a healthy quarterback going into the upcoming season. That's getting on field work in the spring. This hasn't happened a whole lot around here since right. 2018. How important is that? to get a little bit of a jump start going into training camp because there is no previous relationship with Frank Reich and Matt Ryan, not like it was with Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz. They had worked with the head coach and the offensive play caller here for the Colts in previous stops. How important is this time of year for the offense and for the quarterback and Matt Ryan? Oh, I I think it's uh, unbelievably important. You know, um, I think, you know, when you you bring a guy like Ryan is – I think, first of all, his presence alone, you know, the way that he, uh, you know, interlocks with players uh, in that locker room, I think people are going to really look up to him and respect him and respect that quiet, classy leadership that he gives you. I think because you're going back to a rhythmic NFL-type quarterback, your offense is going to be more rhythmic. So I think it's really important to work with your receivers you know, absolutely develop, you know, a camaraderie with them. 
you know, to be able to deliver it on time. And honestly, you know, other than, you know, Pittman being in place, uh, almost every of almost all of our receivers, whether they come from the draft or whether they're the guys we already have on our team, you know, are really guys without a lot of experience. I mean, they're going to be new guys in the system. So the meshing of timing on receivers, getting used to receivers and getting used to quarterbacks is absolutely immense. And then when you mesh that with the other factor that I brought up, the, you know, the blitz pickup is a team, you know, it's it, even if you don't get it till the OTAs, mm-hmm. it's still a team factor where your quarterback, your center, your wide receivers, every your running backs, everybody's involved with that. So I, I just think it's absolutely important Matt doesn't <clears throat> Matt hasn't really played in this system but with his experience I don't think that's a big trouble a lot of it is Frank is just going to translate things that he's done in Atlanta over the years uh for that and while we're on it <clears throat> equally important to Matt Ryan coming in the impact of Gus Bradley and his staff the ability to get those guys out there cuz that system even though it has the appearance yeah of the last system, there is a lot more nuance. I sat down a whole day with Milas, who I've coached with, and Gus, and I love those guys. And I, you know, we, I, it's just a lot more nuanced than the last one. So, you know, it's not just like they can go out and just pick up where they started. I mean, it's going to be, yeah. you know, a defensive transition, even though. To the fan, there may be a lot of similarities, but there's mm-hmm. uh, there are very, very a lot of differences, and so I think for the Colts, th- this off season is just coming at a perfect time. Yeah, indeed, across the board, the off season workout program beneficial for every unit and every player. Obviously, everybody on defense learning a new scheme, learning a new defensive coordinator. Uh, one of those guys is uh, Unique Ngakwe, although he does have familiarity with the system, certainly playing with the Raiders last year under Gus Bradley, but that trade happened before the Matt Ryan trade. So let's double back to that. And, you know, Chris Ballard and the Colts able to pull off that trade. It's just a player-for-player deal. How impressed were you that the Colts were able to trade a guy like Rock Yassine on a rookie contract for the establishment of Unique Ngakwe, one of the most consistent pass rushers in the NFL dating back to 2016 that has wreaked havoc on the Colts when he's played Indianapolis? Well, if I'd have got that offer on the phone and it was me and they offered us they offered us Ngakwe for Rocky Asin, I would have made the deal before we went to the next sentence to make sure they wouldn't change their mind, to tell you the truth. I mean, you're talking about giving them a fringe corner, and, and I know the, the local media wanted to make him out as a, as a great player. He is not. You went out and you got what we haven't had here. And no disrespect to Pay or Odengbo, but they haven't done it yet. That's not to say they won't do it. Basically, the best rusher we've had here for a while, uh, <clears throat> you know, was Autry, who we really let out of the building two years ago, which was probably a mistake. But when you're bringing in Ngakwe, you're bringing in a guy with 55 and a half career sacks. You're talking about a guy who was third in the National Football League last year in pressures. That's last year. That's not like three years ago. Last year. This is a guy that's played for Gus Bradley in two different situations. And Gus is unique in that even though it's the same kind of 4-3, he has a separation of how the defensive ends play. He uses a loose end or a kind of a rush, wide rush end, which he refers to as the Leo. And he did that for him in Jacksonville. And then they brought him in and he had a really good year uh, with the Raiders. The only reason that he was available is the Raiders with their new staff are New England people who like those big guys, and they took Chandler Jones from Arizona, who they had had at New England. So it was a familiarity thing, and they gave us the best possible fit that we could have because Ngakwe can turn the corner. I mean, that 55 and a half, that's on Sunday. That's not potential that's not Saturday. No. That's something he can do. Now, he can still be better with some counter moves. I've always thought he should counter a little bit more. I think you've got to help him sometimes on a run. He can be a little bit soft. But they know. They played that system. They know how to protect it. And then what that allows, Matt, is for Quiddy now to become what we would – they call him the left end, but mm-hmm. he really now would become the power end. And 
as fast as Quiddy is, he's got four or five speed. You know, I he just hasn't shown the edge ability yet. Now he it may come. I think because he's a great kid with tools, but he's played more like a power forward. So in some respects, in this system, the specialization of the end play brings one a legitimate rusher. I mean, we have drafted or signed so many rushers, and nobody has come to the front. No one. Now, some of it's injuries, but no one has ever really come to the front and be that guy. Well, we just got that guy, and we right. got him to me for a bargain trade. I, I, I mean, I, I can't even believe it sometimes. And, and, what, and does, what does this do for DeForest Buckner, Rick? I mean, absolutely. is he no, not the happiest that, guy in the camp now? Well, now because I think it's, it's you know, it's like – well, it's like an accordion. It's like dominoes, okay? All of a sudden now you have that edge guy that can run the hoop. I always call it the hoop like a hula hoop because you run up and around and you can come back down. He's a stripper off that right edge. Now, again, that'll make Quiddy better because he'll get the right tackle most mm-hmm. of the time. Right. He'll be able to power and set the edge and close the edge. And then you've got Buckner now. Who, if they want to turn the protection, they're gonna, they're gonna. Both of those guys are gonna be one on one. If they want to take care of Ngakwe, that gives him more one on one situations. And I'm happy that we re-signed Lewis and Odengbo. Hopefully, in year two, can be that fourth guy on third down, where that that fourth guy inside that'll be I, that guy will be one on one all day. I would, I'd really raise my hand to play that position because I think, I think Ngakwe makes um makes pay better and i think he takes some pressure uh obviously off of buckner all right let's uh transition to stefan gilmore another huge acquisition for the colts that happened officially earlier this week and one of the best and, and most consistent cornerbacks of the last 10 years in the nfl he's been to four straight pro bowls he was compromised in 20 and 2021 with that bad quad but this is a very aggressive move by Chris Ballard to get him even at the age of 31. What do you make of that move, and what do you make of Gilmore's ability to play at a high level for the Colts? And this is another guy. See, you know, you've you've heard me say this before. It's one thing to have a solid roster. I mean, the Colts have a solid roster. It's evident in our special teams. The middle and the bottom of a roster is probably better than a lot of teams. But what really wins and loses at the end of the day is that top 10 on your roster, Mm -hmm. the game changers, the guys that affect the game, you know, the Taylors, the Buckners, the Leonards, those are the guys. And to me, we haven't had enough of those guys. We've been a solid roster team, but not a game-changing team. Now, in this respect, now don't get me wrong, all of those guys have to come in and prove it, you know, you know, Ryan's got to prove he's on top of his game and Gawkway on top of his game and now Gilmore on top of his game. But all three of those guys are legitimate top-tier players in the league that have been game-changers. Now, Gilmore in 2019, and I, you know, I, t- I say this all the time. People talk about shut-down corners, and I say, listen, you know, that went out with Deion Sanders. But I'm going to tell you one thing. In that 18 and 19, Gilmore – was a shutdown corner. I mean, I absolutely loved him. I mean, he changed Belichick's whole scheme in New England from a zone scheme to a hard-pressing man-to-man. I mean, he impacted that whole franchise and a coach that's forgot more about defense than most guys. Now, there is no question we might not be getting that guy in 19. I watched a, a lot of tape this week on the on the 21 Gilmore, and he wasn't himself, but he still – he still was recovering from that quad. I know the Colts internally are very confident that they are getting a whole player, a hungry player, a guy that wants to be here. The contract, again, was worked out. It's a very solid contract without going overboard like we normally do. And so you've got a guy that even if he isn't 19, he is going to be a huge, huge upgrade for us. You know, and and I've always said sometimes when you have and you've established that reputation in the league, people respect you and they stay away from you. I mean, it's just it's it's really funny. Teddy Marshall Brody used to say, if you get a reputation in the NFL to be an early riser, you can sleep till noon. And there's <laughs> there's some truth to that. And this guy can play. He's a he's a man tough guy. You know that that just makes Kenny better. 
Uh, and it, it certainly, you know, Rodgers, I'm so happy because I've said all along that Rodgers was potentially our best corner. And uh, I, I just feel very good about us going forward. But, I mean, when you talk about Ryan, you talk about Ngakwe, and you talk about Gilmore, now you're talking about top ten roster guys. You're talking about guys Indeed. that have all had multiple Pro Bowls that can change the game. All you got to do is look at their numbers. And, and because of Gilmore, do the Colts, Rick, I mean, I know we haven't even had the draft yet, right? So it's kind of silly to talk about this stuff, but at least on paper. They've upgraded in key areas that, that plagued them last year, right? Pass rush, slowing yeah. down elite receivers, making plays in crunch time in the fourth quarter, giving up high completion percentage. How much have they improved on defenses? Do the Colts now have the makings of a top whatever defense, top ten, top five defense next season? Well, they've, they've got a lot of work to do, but they've taken two big steps. I mean, you, t- you get an edge rusher with 55 sacks, and you get a potential shutdown corner, you've taken a gigantic step. And remember, if you if you want to talk about the Colts' problems at the end of last year, is we couldn't pass it and we couldn't stop the pass. So we got a guy that can throw it, uh, and we've got two guys that really improve the defense. And so now, to me, the most important thing is we've got to surround Matt Ryan with some guys that can change the game. We can get into this when we talk about needs, but mm-hmm. we have to get a receiver core that is explosive. We don't have creators. We've got scheme-dependent players, including Pittman in my mind, although I think Pittman is solid. But we need to go out, and there's no excuse not to get them. We'll, we'll get into the draft. This is, again, this two years in a row, and I think it's just the nature of college football and seven-on-seven camps. But the, the colleges, they're stamping out receivers just left and right. And so, you know, you want receivers? Yeah, <laughs> if it were me, I'm probably looking receiver two and three because I think you know basically the rest of this team has improved, and that and that's the one area though that we have to improve, or they will eventually, like last year, they eventually stop the running game. I do want to get into the draft with you, but before we do that, and you, you've kind of hinted on this, you know, the the big picture stuff, but to put a bow on the off season and all the moves the Colts have made with you know a new defensive coordinator, new defensive staff, free agency moves and things like that, go big picture just real quick. I mean, uh, it's not only the the players the Colts have signed, they've also lost seven free agents this offseason who had been with the Colts at least four years under Frank Reich, dating back to 2018. Uh, Also, you lost Jack Doyle to retirement. What do you make of the losses this offseason for the Colts versus the players they've acquired? How much better or worse in your eyes, have the Colts become this offseason in terms of transactions? Well, you know, I don't want to be cold-hearted. I mean, you don't want to lose people. You'd like to be able to keep your your team, like when I first came to the league in 82, if you wanted to, you'd keep the team together for 10 years. I mean, you, you know, you, you had very little movement. But movement today in free agency is just, it's just the cost of doing business. And what is important is that you never let – your game-changing core, Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, as I said, Taylor, Buckner, um, <laughs> you know, Leonard, uh, you never let those guys out of the building. You, you, those are guys that play critical positions, and they're tremendous players who can make the difference in a game. Then you have critical role players, and I think we did a good job of keeping a Doolin now, a Franklin, a Lewis, a Pryor, Allie Cox. I mean, those guys – they're not necessarily game changers, but they're vital in the roles that they play. And so when you lose seven, which is part of doing business, okay, and, but you bring, in, you bring seven guys that are in the middle of your roster and you bring three guys at the top of your roster, I'll do that any day of the week because there are replaceable parts in the National Football League. I mean, all the guys that we've lost – are replaceable parts and that not that they didn't contribute but we already went out you know and and got a couple guys we got watson king you know they'll replace Mm -hmm. uh adams and uh and odom george odom so yeah. yeah so you'll you'll replace those guys those are replaceable parts i would i think possibly the toughest one for me um and it's not because he's a game changer but because he gave us a lot of versatility and reliability, and I'm not, I'm not 
sold that Allie Cox does that is Doyle. So somewhere in this draft, and I think it's possible because it's an undervalued position, you would like to be able to get the next Jack Doyle, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. I know, I know what you feel about Doyle. I just feel like he's, he's a little bit harder to replace sometimes Agreed. because of the versatility. You know, he can play that fullback. I, I thought he was really instrumental in Taylor's running game this year, right with that offensive line. So, you know, I think Allie Cox is coming. Um, I do think uh, that Granson can be a, a hybrid guy, but – you know, I would like to be able to replay. There is a guy, but you'd have to give the number two pick for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, McBride out of Colorado State is Jack Doyle, probably with a little bit more speed. And you know, tight end is a, they don't. There's not a great one in the draft, uh, so it's going to be a little bit of an undervalued position that might slide a little bit. All right, let's go heavy draft conversation to kind of close out here. You've been pouring over the tape this off season. Um, you're always dialed into the prospects and in Colts needs. What do you have as the Colts biggest needs or areas of concern? You already kind of talked about a wide receiver. You would go heavy wide receiver on day two of the draft outside of that. What else is, is pretty high on your radar? Well, here's what, here's what I say. I say number one and number two uh, is wide receivers. I just think that we, you know, we've got prospects. Uh, We've got one, uh, one guy that is a solid NFL receiver, and then we have a bunch of guys that are prospects, really. They're guys that you hope have ability. Um, you know, I know we really like Campbell. I do. But, I mean, I can't sit here and count on Campbell just because of history. Um, and so I want to pack that position. I want to give us explosiveness that will make the running game better, that will give Matt Ryan a chance to come in and throw. I think that that's need number one. I would say need number two and this may become a conflict. We'll get into this in that second round on that 42nd pick. I still am not sure that Pryor is a 16th Sunday left tackle. I think he's he can play left tackle in the short run. I think he can play right tackle all day. <clears throat> I think he can play guard all day. I'm just not positive that he is 16th Sunday left tackle. I don't know that he has the twitch to play there day in, day out. So, I think that you you would like if you could. Now there's there's four really good ones that are going to go in the first round. Then there's a couple guys we can talk about that are are I think would be there at 42. You'd have to make the decision between wideout, offensive tackle on that one. Um, uh, I think you know I think tight end a Doyle type. Um, I think offensive line depth now. Uh, and that I don't think you're going to do that in the first maybe even two days. But, you know, now losing both um, Reed and Glowinski, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm fine with Danny Pinner, believe it or not. I, I have no trouble with that. But I do worry now about the depth because those guys were guys that could you could put Reed in the game and not even lose a beat. You right. know what I'm saying? Exactly, yep. And so I think a little bit of depth there. Um, and and you, to me, you just never have enough corners. So – you know, and I think there's some Morris Reservoir All-Stars, uh, some corners that are going to be there maybe fourth and third. Uh, there's some great ones on the first round, but they're going to be chewed up. And uh, I, I think there's going to be some guys there. So that's the big issue to me. The big issue for us going forward offensively to me is wide receiver mm-hmm. and making sure our left tackle is sound. I mean, and then I think we can play with everybody else. And then after that, if we could get another Jack Doyle, be 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 fine. Can we talk about specific guys? Can we talk about, you know, sure. the Colts sitting there at 42 overall in the yep. second round? Who are some players that you really like that you also still think will be around and, and on the board when the Colts make their first selection, in your opinion? Okay. All right, here's guys that are going to be gone, okay? And I, everybody knows these guys, so I don't, I don't have to belabor it. The two guys from Ohio State, Wilson and Olave, mm-hmm. they're going to be gone. Williams from Alabama is going to be gone. The only knock on him, the only caution light is he has that ACL, but I think people will overlook it because of his great ability. Uh, Burks, people are high on from Arkansas. I'm not as warm on him as everybody else. He's Anquan Bolden, Chenault type guy, you know, 225, but he runs a 455, and you know me on speed. You have to sell that to me. London is the big jump ball guy out of USC. Um, 
again, I never see him separate in space. I see him separate on the jump ball, but never in space. And so here's some guys I think that you really uh, have to keep in mind here on that 42nd pick. Now, I don't think my number one guy would be Dotson, okay, from Penn State. Yep. I don't believe he gets out of the first round. I mean, he's he's tremendous, four four three, uh, thirty six vertical, tremendous game changer, good with the ball in hands. Not real big, five eleven, one eighty eight, but tremendous football player. Now, if he makes it at forty two, it'd be really hard for me to walk by him. I I think I'd jump on him in a minute. Some other guys, uh, and then I'll tell you who I like best. But here's some other names that will be there that are all quality, uh, legit second-round guys and, you know, may end up as well as good as the ones. Pickens from Georgia, you know, he's, he's good. Watson, everybody loves Watson. I'm not as warm on Watson as everybody else is. The kid from uh, North, North Dakota, Dakota State, State University, yeah. he's mm-hmm. got tremendous – you know, he ran a 4-3-6. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's got – Tremendous speed and upside. Uh, there's a lot of drops in there, though. If you watch a lot of tapes, Vellis Jones, four three one, uh, out of Tennessee, big outside guy. Uh, Melton, the kid from Rutgers, you know another. And these guys have great speed. This is another four three one guy. And then there's three guys <clears throat> that I really, really like here, and I would probably draft them over that crew. Um, and it'll surprise you maybe some of them would be Morris Reservoir All-Star guys that uh, a little bit under the radar to the casual fan. First of all, I love the Pierce kid out of Cincinnati. Yeah, Alec Pierce. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's I think he's going to be a riser. He's he you know he's six three over two hundred four four one. And some people I had him in a four three eight, but he can flat fly and he's competitive. A four-two-eight short shuttle, which is really means fast. Uh, he's been used mostly at a as a vertical guy, you know. But the Colts worked him out, so they're going to have a better feel on how he is intermediately. Sometimes, it's you know, sometimes you really need the workout to see some things that maybe that team doesn't show on tape, and you want to take a look at. I love Pierce. Um, absolutely love Khalil Shakir out of Boise. Uh, another, you know, another guy, he's a little bit shorter, 5'11", 195, uh, you know, but another 4'3 guy. He runs a 4'2'1 short shuttle. He can do it all from wildcat to slot to outside. Uh, he's one of my favorite players, one of my Morris Reservoir all-stars, uh, real game changer, doesn't have real long arms, but he can sky and make circus catches. I think he's a game changer. And then I like Danny Gray out of Southern Methodist at 6'2". He ran a 4'3'3". Really good with the ball in his hand. So, you know, I I went through all those names, and all those guys are going to be potential 42 picks. Mm -hmm. And, again, my favorites, Pierce, Shakir, and Gray. But every one of those single guys uh, has a chance. Then there's kind of some specialists. This is why there's just so many guys – you could get one, too. You can get one on the third round. Yep. You've got guys like Sky Moore. Yep. You know who I Western see Michigan. Yeah, Western Michigan. Another Morse Reservoir All-Star. You know, again, he's running a 4-4-4. I love Calvin Austin. Now, he's a midget. But, you know, he ran like a 4-3-2. He's only 5-7, but he's the kid out of Memphis. Mm-hmm. He he is kind of a poor man's uh, Tariq Hill. Um you know, uh, Robinson is a slot kid out of Kentucky. Mechie is a really good player that, again, you know, has a has the injury. And then Tolbert out of Southern Alabama. Then you go down one level. You have a guy like Bell. David Bell. Purdue, yep. mm-hmm. Who has great production but can't run. You know, 4-6-something. But <laughs> Jerry Rice was 4-6-2 coming out. So you just never know. Uh, Fry Fogel out of Indiana, Dobbs out of Nevada. So, I mean, there is a, there is just a plethora of receivers. I think it has to do with the spread offense in college now, whether people like it or not. It is turning out receivers, and these seven-on-seven camps that kids, 
you know, now kids are not playing baseball. If they're great football players, they're not playing baseball like we did. They're playing seven-on-seven seven you know I mean? All year, so, too. Yep. And yeah, all year long. So, I mean, it's just turning them out. And so, again, I'll just say that the three guys that I like a ton is Pierce, Shakir, and Gray. One guy I did not hear you say, uh, George Pickens out of Georgia. Is that just because of oh, no, his I injury? First. You did? Okay. I think, I, think, I, think, I think you just missed it. No, Pickens is right in there. I like Pickens a lot. Okay. I like him a lot. He came back and played after an injury. You know, every one of these guys that I've talked about today that are high on my list, obviously, are faster than 4-5. Some of them faster than 4-4. Four, because four, mm-hmm. I just – that is a priority with me. It's something I <clears> – <throat> I will say I, I won't say I never compromise, but if you're if you're slower than four or five at the corner or at wideout, right. then you're going to have to really prove it to me. And that's just me. That doesn't make me right. It's just the way I look at it. And if you look at wide receivers, I mean, very rarely does a wide receiver come in in his rookie season and come in and and set the world on fire and go over a thousand yards and be you know a top five receiver in the NFL. That being said, though, Rick. I guess the the right word here, the right phrase would be how how necessary is it for the Colts to get a rookie impactful wide receiver for next season, even if it only is for 500, 600 yards in 2022? Well, I brought this up in the building the other day because inevitably what you're going to come down to, Matt, is you're going to come down to having to make a decision probably between, I would say, a a left tackle, a wide receiver, uh, and maybe a corner. All right, at forty-two, you're probably going to have that, and maybe maybe a defensive tackle even. But you know, we've got about a thousand defensive linemen. But anyway, it, you know, so inevitably it would come down in position value to a left tackle versus an impactive playmaking wide receiver. Now, here's the scenario I brought up a year ago, one year ago. The Cincinnati Bengals have the decision to make Sewell, who yeah. is considered transformation, right? Yep. yep, yep, left tackle, and Chase. Okay. Now, would they have been in the Super Bowl without Chase? They would not have been. No, <laughs> they would not have been in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's safe to say with, that without Chase, right? So I'm, I I use the analogy because to me. We need explosion. We need guys that can put it in the end zone. And I think that the, I think that young receivers are playing more and more. I think that the old philosophy that they're never going to, you know, that they can't help you right away, I, I think that's diminishing. I think younger receivers are making impacts quicker now. Final thing on the draft, Rick, and, you know, the quarterback draft class is, is not as uh... – it's not as hyped as it has been in years past, but obviously it's still being talked about around here, at least on the fringe. Um, so with that, how surprised would you be if, if the Colts drafted a quarterback on day two of the draft? And if they did do that, Rick, what, what would that tell you? Okay. <clears throat> you know, I, I think it would be a surprise because, because even if you bring in a good one, like a Trey Lance, okay, Okay, he he's he's not going to play for you. Okay, he's not going to play a while, and I feel like all chips in is we got to get a we got to get that forty second guy that comes in and not only plays but has an impact on this team that helps us get to the mountaintop. Okay, it's also a down year, and then the the second thing it would tell it would tell it would tell me is that if they selected a guy, they feel stronger about him than anybody else in the league, which is fine. Right. Do your own scouting. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Right. I mean, nobody thought Leonard should have been drafted in the second round. You know what I'm saying? Do what you think is right. But it would have to be a guy that they think has it all to be the franchise guy and replace Ryan down the road, mm-hmm. okay? that you, you, It has to be that guy. It can't be a placemat. It can't just be a guy. You know what I'm saying? It, that would be silly to me to do that you can get it, that on the third it, it can't day. it can't if i hear you correctly it can't be an experiment no exactly or or a guy that's lacking in something now right. let me follow up on that because the thing is we know over the years <laughs> somebody on somebody on tv actually i thought said it best the other day when you draft quarterbacks people say well where are they going to go you know well there's not a great well they're always inflated all right it isn't when you when you shop for quarterbacks. It's not like going to Costco 
and getting a, fi- a fixed item at, on a garden coast, okay? <laughs> Regardless of inflation. I love, you know I love Costco, you, by the way. You know, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know about what that costs, okay? When you shop for a quarterback, you know, it's more like the auction, okay? Like the, the horse auction in, in Keeneland. It's, it's the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. sets the value, and it's a position that people have to have. Now, to me, two guys will definitely go in the first round. I really like Kenny Pickett. Uh, I, I, I mean, I really like Pickett. I, I think he's being overanalyzed now, and he's dropping. You know, I, you know the other thing I kind of hate is risers after the season and <laughs> fallers after the season. And don't get me wrong. I am into analytics. I have studied draft numbers and metrics since 1982. So I, I understand what you have to have, but I hate it when a guy rises based on just workouts and stuff like that. Like like Walker may be the first pick in the draft from Georgia, but he didn't play like that. You know, he didn't, he didn't play like that, but he might be because of these workouts. I think I think that Pickett has been overanalyzed and has dropped a little bit, and somebody's going to get a good one. And I think Willis is just the opposite. He's, you know, he's the kid from Liberty because of his immense tools I think he's been inflated tremendously. I, I see him as a guy, boomer bust, that, you know, he's got the arm, he's a tremendous scrambler. But, you know, I see him as a guy that is more of a playground player than an NFL quarterback. And, you know, again, you know, maybe you take that guy because you say, I've got somebody, I don't have to play him right away. Right. The, the key guys to me at 42, all right, here, here would be the, the most intriguing guy to me at 42, okay, the only guy that would make me at least think is Ritter from Cincinnati. Okay. Okay. All right. I think Ritter from Cincinnati is the most intriguing quarterback of them all. He has the size. He's a tremendous athlete. He's right behind Will. He ran a four-five-two. I mean, this kid can move. He throws easy. He can make every throw. He is a great kid. He is a smart kid. He's won a ton of football games. He's being he's being rated down for one playoff game. I mean, and I think that this is a guy with the tremendous upside that you may go all. He may be one of those guys that, you know, with a little bit of, without having to play immediately, may have the tools to be that superior guy, that top guy. And he's the only guy that hits me that way. I mean, I see Howell as a guy, you know, and then like last day, guys, you know, I kind of like Perry out of Brown, believe it or not. He's a Swiss Army Knight. Oh, there Taysom, you go. Love Taysom it. Hill, Taysom Hill type guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's not, he, he, his metrics are close to Hill. They're not quite as good as Hill, but he would be that Swiss Army Knife, Wildcat type kid. And and then there's a kid named Aladukan out of Sandy, out of South Dakota State. Now, nobody will know him, so that's... You know, he's been with three different teams. I call him the, he, you know, he's a, he's a coat of many colors. He's <laughs> with this portal now. He's been with three different teams. I think South Florida and then somebody else and then South Dakota. But he plays easy, too. But, uh, again, that, the Perry kid on the, on, the, on the last day might give you a different kind of guy. And you might get that out of Ellinger. I, I don't know. You know, you might. So, I mean, the, guy, the most intriguing guy to me of the ones you don't know, everybody's going to talk about Pickett, Willis, Howell, sure. uh, Corral, all those guys. Everybody knows those guys. To me, the most intriguing guy is Ritter. Fair great enough. Kid. Just a great kid with it. Indeed. Indeed. Man, we covered so much today. We talked about the offseason moves, uh, Matt Ryan, the draft. It's been uh, awesome covering a ton with you today. Anything else that we didn't get to that, that you have thoughts on in terms of the Colts offseason so far? No, I, I, like I said, I, I really like it. I even I, I I'm very happy with McLeod. Um, you know, yeah. I was around St. Louis when we drafted McLeod. Uh, he's had a really good career. He's a, a legit starter. Um, if Blackman, you know, if Blackman's health uh, holds him out a little bit, I mean, it, you know, Blackman is a terrific prospect. Uh, you know, he is coming off the injury, and you just don't know. So I think it was very smart to go out and get a legit starting safety. Uh, you know, a lot like we did with Mitchell that year, who's now coaching with Right, us. Mike Mitchell, uh, yeah. You know, that, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think the other thing is I'm really happy with the, the defensive staff. Uh, Bradley brings juice every day. 
He's leader. He's a teacher. Um, he knows what he's doing. Uh, when you're around him, he's an electric, electric type of personality. Um, Ron Milas, his secondary coach, who I've worked with over the years, I think will improve us fundamentally just vastly. Mm-hmm. I think John Fox is a really good addition because John is more my vintage and he sees the game more like I do with the split safeties and a lot of nuance where Gus is a single high guy. So I think that's a real complimentary part. Doesn't have, you know, it, it, don't get me wrong, Gus is, it, Gus is running the defense, and there'll be no mistake about that. But I think rather than being just so one-dimensional and stubborn like we have been in the past, there's going to be a much better flow of ideas. And we have, we have a, you know, I think – you know, so much fell on Wentz's plate, which is normal. I mean, you know, the praise always goes to the head coach and the quarterback, and the blame goes to the head coach and the quarterback. And there's no doubt that Carson, <clears throat> you know, basically shouldered it. But our defense took a giant step backwards last year other than turnovers. I mean, 17th, mm-hmm. uh, 25th in sacks, 29th in fourth quarter. So, you know, it, it, you know, that is a project that has to be done. But, again, we, where we've helped ourselves – the biggest issues were throwing the football and defending the pass. Mm-hmm. You know, we get a corner that can do it. You know, we get an edge rusher who's legitimate, and we get a quarterback who's legitimate. Now let's get him some skill guys around him. All right, Rick Venturi, fantastic as always. Now what are you doing between now and the draft? You still watching more tape? You're breaking things down? Like what does it look like between now and, and, and next Thursday? And I guess this is probably another question. I don't mean to ask you another question, but – You've been in these draft rooms, and you've been around talent evaluators, Rick. I mean, the hay's in the barn. How do you stay sane between now and and Thursday night, knowing that, hey, paralysis by analysis can set in here? Yeah, and you you have to be careful with that. I I mean, I think you're you're probably still, you you know, you never never stop until it's over. I mean, you never, you know, you look at it all. But I think you do have to avoid that over-analysis, paralysis by analysis, the other thing I think it, you know, if you if you feel like you're together, like I will spend a little bit more time on some guys that would be third day guys now, you know, little guys I may, maybe some smaller school kids I haven't seen, and we have traditionally done a great job. Chris has done a great job on that aspect of it, but I know for myself I I will be looking at that, um, you know, you know some kids like the kid the defensive tackle from Missouri State, you know, di- just different guys that are a little bit you haven't heard much about, go back and look at them and uh, look at them again. Mm -hmm. All right, and then we'll be together on draft weekend. We'll be doing updates, two updates every hour during the draft. We'll be previewing what's going on for the Colts. We'll do that on Thursday night here inside the Colts studio, and those will air on uh, our flagship station in uh, Indianapolis, FM 107.5 and 93.5, the fan. Then on Friday night we'll be doing those updates from Kilroy's in Broad Ripple. So come out and see us if you can. We'll talk some football. You can pick Rick's brain between picks. Um, So we're looking forward to that, my friend. Have a great weekend. And, uh, again, looking forward to hooking up during the draft coming up next weekend. All right. Anything you need, give me a holler. I'll see you Thursday night. (laughs) You got it, pal. Inside football with Rick Venturi catching up on all the happenings this offseason for the Indianapolis Colts. And, again, we'll be back with Rick next week for the draft and recap podcasts after every day of the draft, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for listening, everybody. Inside Football with Rick Venturi. We'll talk to you soon.